This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 157th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Coach Dan Quinn talked about this being a purposeful bye week. And the uh, team is uh, trying to get ready for the New Orleans Saints. They are 1-7 after losing to the Seattle Seahawks 27-20. And that job had a big game, but it wasn't enough. As they dropped to 1-7 and and are off to their worst record since 1996. When June Jones and his team started the season 0-8. The 2003 Falcons also started 1-7, but that was the year Michael Vick had his ankle broken in the uh, exhibition season against the Baltimore Ravens. Not really uh, a lot of activity going on. Arthur Blank spoke on Sunday after the game, said they were going to evaluate everything over the next couple weeks. And the general thinking is that they, they, they won't do anything until the Atlanta United's uh, playoff run is over. They have a uh, uh, championship game. I guess it's their conference finals uh, Wednesday night. And if they go to the finals, I don't know when that is. You know, y'all know I don't follow um, minor league soccer much, but uh, I, I understand that that couple week time frame is uh, wrapped around their uh, bid to defend their championship. So good luck to them and uh, you people who follow them. But back to the Falcons, purposeful bye week. Not real purposeful for Matt Bryant. He was released today. Uh, he can go back to um, Alabama and um, uh, back down to the beach there and chill with the family and all the kids. Uh, he gave it a go, but, you know, he's 44 and was missing too many field goals. Two or six, you know, um, from 50. Missed uh, two against the Rams. Uh, missed the extra point against the missed one against the Rams. Two against the Seahawks. Extra point against Arizona. So there were signs of slippage. They had already tried to move on from him uh, in February. So no real surprise there. But hat tip to him. Mark Bradley wrote a lovely column entitled "A Sad Sign of the Times." The Falcons cut Matt Ryan. He takes you on a walk down memory lane including the big kick against Seattle after the Falcons blew a 20-point lead uh, to pull out the uh, playoff win and go to the NFC Championship game. So hat tip to Matt Bryan, fine pro. Good luck in retirement and uh, wish you the best. They also cut Casey Redfern, who's a kickoff guy, and uh, signed Young Ho Koo, the former kicker from Georgia Southern and Seoul, Korea, Native, uh, he apparently will handle the kickoffs and the field goals because they cut Redfern, who was doing the punting. So Bosher must be ready to come back. Uh, they do have three open roster spots after cutting Redfern, uh, uh, cutting quarterback Danny Etlin, and cornerback DJ White. Uh, 
Edlin was re-signed to the practice squad. So, you know, trading deadline passed, uneventful. Uh, you know, I told y'all last week that there was no market for Vic Beasley and that the Falcons would be stuck with him. That was indeed the case. So, you know, just a little few minor notes here in the bye week. It's a good week here to go and listen to all of Dan Quinn's comments on Monday to the presser. Talking about something about the game, the, the mix-ups in the end zone, uh, about being mad as hell, about their first half woes having been scored upon 144 po- points to 50. They're not in game, so it's, you know, they can't play or they're, they're not ready to play. So, you know, you pick whichever one you want. Um, they're not any good or they um, are not ready to play. Uh, you know, then they come back and make it look like it was a game. And that's all they got to build upon moving forward. So he even talks about that also. So one and seven, we get to kick back a little bit on the bye week. Uh, still on alert because uh, you know people are talking openly about the coaching situation. Uh, so I'm not gonna get out of town and enjoy this bye week like I've enjoyed others in the past. Be walking around with my phone and uh, just uh, you know if we hear anything, we'll get back to you. And uh, report it. But let's listen to all 17 minutes of Coach Dan from Monday. A lot of good stuff in there. Um, you know, kind of, you know, he's been a good guy to the media uh, since he's been here and, uh, you know, doesn't dodge any questions. Been a stand up guy. Wish him the best, however, this thing turns out. The second half last night, I thought that showed complimentary football, it showed offensive scores, showed defensive stops. Uh, making kicks, you know, having opportunities to play like we're capable of playing. So that complimentary ball had been a missing part of what we were doing. I thought there were stretches where one side might have played well or the other didn't or a third phase. So uh, for us, it's not just a, you know, a bye week or just a week off, but a purposeful week. And uh, we'll jump right into our division when we get back. And really the only thing uh, for us is about one opponent and one matchup. And that's uh, 100% where our focus will be. So, um, Owning our roles on the team, that's going to be an important part of what we talked about today, and all of us accountable to the team and to one another. So um, that's what we discussed as a team today, and we're glad to open up your questions regarding the game or our preparation uh, you know, this week as we're moving forward. Yeah, Coach, how do you uh, compartmentalize the football uh, you know, operation as you all were in the bye week? And then uh, we had comments from the owner yesterday about evaluating everything. Well, for sure. And, uh, you know, I feel horrible that he even has to have you know a press conference or a makeshift press conference to do that because uh, we just want to get it right. You know, we want to get it right for him. We want to get it right for the fans. And uh, the good thing about having a good relationship uh, with him is everything that was said publicly has already been discussed, uh, certainly privately. And so, uh, but he's at the top of the list of people that you want to do it right for because of the kind of support that he gives. So, um, you know, certainly feel you know. We had to have a makeshift press conference uh, based on our team and our performance so far. The kickers you brought in today, Dan, did any of them make an impact or you make a change there? Well, the, you know, we just you know got done just just a few moments ago, Zach. But the, yeah, it was it was a good workout for those guys, and uh, you want to make sure you're always evaluating every part of it. You know, and we've stayed consistent to that and say, okay, let's see where we're at, and if there's you know things that we need to look at, we're going to. And I think that was another example of that today. But um, no decisions have been made yet. Just now, we just got done just a few minutes ago. Where's your confidence, trust level with Matt and Brian at this point? Well, I think uh, 
you know, I've got a long history with him, um, so I know, you know, kind of where it's at. But, you know, over the last, uh, you know, you know, few weeks, uh, we've missed the mark. And so, like anything, you want to take a look and evaluate. We get a chance to evaluate Matt a lot, you know. So we brought some guys in to take a look and see where they were at. And um, so that's what we did today. Well, I wish there was, man. I'd have bottled it and uh, put it in my pocket and used it for uh, the whole time. I guess there's two parts to that. Uh, good news um, is that there wasn't a lot changed, you know, in terms of the plan or, hey, let's, you know, put a new plan in. It was simply doing what we did better. And uh, I don't know if you guys felt it from watching the game, but it felt like stop, score, stop, score, punt. You know, like there was a real rhythm to how it played, and we felt out of rhythm, you know, from a chemistry standpoint on that side where, you know, a turnover happens to go. And the biggest lesson that I'm, I'm hopeful that we've learned is, um, you know, our ability in, in the turnover margin to create turnovers and, and not to give them up. We've had, I think, three games where we were minus three, uh, another three games where we were, I think, at zero, and then maybe another two games or one game, whatever that is, at minus one. And so to get yourself in the plus, uh, we've got to find ways to create, you know, some takeaways to go. And so we, we made it really challenging on ourselves in some games. I think it goes to show a lot of the fight, the attitude of the team when you're put behind to go and, and battle for it. But, man, we don't have to do that. And so uh, that, above all things, you know, is field position, you know, on those. You know, we had on the missed kicks, you get a big field position. On a turnover, you get field position. So when there's points off of that, um, that makes it challenging. It's a short field for the defense or, you know, it's not giving the offense more possessions in a game. And so that part uh, we talked about a lot and how do we improve into that space. But it wasn't a lot, you know, to answer your question, a long-winded way. But it wasn't as different as you might think. Coach, uh, where's Matt uh, Ryan at in his rehab? If he had to play this week, could he go? Or are you all not worried about that until next week? Yeah, definitely not worried about this weekend's game. But if we had to, uh, I would say he would be a go. Um, or close to it, for sure. He uh, pushed it as hard as humanly possible to get himself in a space to get ready uh, to play on Sunday. Um, but my, I would anticipate him being ready uh, for when we come back to play New Orleans. You on the two touchdown passes to Metcalf. Uh, it appeared the defense wasn't set when this ball was snapped. On one of them, for sure, Zach, yeah. Is that communication, or is that just guys just not knowing where they should be at the right time? Yeah, I get it on both of them. Um, so on the first one, um, did not getting set and came out of huddle and quick counted us. And um, we had been prepared for that. The Rams had, you know, had a long history doing that, and so we just practiced quite a bit of that the week prior. And then on the second one, we were going to play um, – you know, two players in a certain way, and uh, miscommunication uh, took place amongst two players. Usually, that's the case when one has a call, one didn't get it, and down in the red zone, you know this how clear and strong that communication has to be because the mistakes, there's no room for an error. And so, uh, yeah, both of those uh, you would hope could have been prevented because, uh, you know, free access and free throws, obviously, there's a bust that took place somehow or in some way. Uh, one was on the quick and not ready. And and the second one um, was a communication error between two players, or really between one, because the second 
didn't know that he had said anything, so you can't put it on the second player. Jeremy, looking at the numbers today from the first eight games, and you guys have the number one passing offense, but number 29 in rushing. Uh, what are you making of that kind of disconnect and that large gap? Because I know how important balance is to you. I think a good bit of that would be probably indicative of the score, you know, because we've been behind in some halves. And so uh, I told the team today, well, it's a good thing we're a second-half team because guess what? The second half begins right now. And so, um, so often we've been behind that, hey, let's go ripping to get back. And Matt obviously is in command and, you know, and throwing him into that space, he's going to do that. But that's not how you want to be in terms of yards, you know, like what matters is points. And um, we're really equipped because of the explosiveness that we have. But balance is really what we need. And I think that's a byproduct of, of how some of the scores have been. Yeah, Coach, you, go ahead. Coach, um, you addressed Arthur Blank having to have that press conference and everything and, you know, having to deal with that. As you look at the situation, do, do you expect to be the coach of the Atlanta Falcons for the rest of this season? Well, I can honestly say, like, all the time and all the attention I have, I couldn't think of a bigger waste of my mental health and space. Like, all I want to do is see if we can get it right. And uh, that's what we want to deliver for Arthur. That's what we want to deliver for the fans, for the team, and uh, have the performances that the city deserves. Like, that's really important. So to spend any time or moments thinking, what if I don't, uh, that would only take away from that. So, uh, like I said, we feel horrible that he uh, you know, had to have, you know, you know, address some of the issues that are going on. But uh, nothing's more important than getting it right. And so that's really where I spend my time and my attention on. How do you stay unfazed through all this? How do you stay focused on what? Well, I think, yeah, it's human nature. It can get difficult because your family or your friends or your coworkers, you know, when they're asking about that, that's human nature, you know. Like, okay, just, you know, like, doesn't exist. Like, literally, we meet six days a week, so clearly you guys exist. <laughs> I would also say, like, my number one job is for the team, and I'm always thinking about the team and uh, how do we get better and how do we do it better. And so it takes discipline. It takes, um, you know, like a real mindful approach to go about it. But that's why I'm here to coach the team, and I'll always stay in that framework. Whenever, um, you mentioned the miscommunication that took place. Is, is it common for to have those kind of miscommunication issues in sleep at this point in the season? Is it no. Is it something that you haven't experienced in your career up to this point? Wow, well, that's a molder than I look. Maybe, maybe in your NFL experience. <laughs> uh, no, I, put it this way. In the heat of this community happening, like you and I, we have to communicate on a call that happens. But if I didn't get it to you, and you didn't give it back to me, then it didn't exist. So to get a call, you have to give one back. Like just I told you, like hey, watch for this, and you didn't acknowledge it, then I can't tell that you had it. So always at the front of the list. But I um, wouldn't say it's like, so uncommon. Do you want it to happen? Hell no. And uh, you won't prepare for every scenario, but that one could have been prevented. It's just obviously in years prior, it doesn't seem like this would have been much of a topic at this point of the season. So just where do you think this is coming from for in this particular season? You know, it's, it's uh, hard to put your finger on when you, you know, have an error or something that took place to take, you know, yourself out of position to make a play. But uh, usually, um, really good team defense um, starts with really good communication. And so you got to keep pushing it. you got to keep talking about it. And if you 
think you're doing a good job, you got to hit it harder. And um, on that particular case, it would have been something that we wouldn't have done anyway. So there was no call that was needed. So um, it made it worse because we were trying to do something that we don't do. So don't make fill in the blank up. Yeah, I think you guys will understand that too. So there's definitely a strategy for when you have your chance, you're gonna need two scores anyway. So when you get into field goal range, you want to go and take your shot there. Now, had the same thing happen when we've been on like the 10 yard line, you go for your shot into the end zone there. So knowing that you're gonna need two scores, you don't want to use all of that up if you're not in striking range already. So we have a, a marker that we try to get to and if we're into that space, field position with time, we would kick first and then go. So if we had been closer to the end zone, we would have took our shots there and then got it. So just, it just depends on the field position, the strategy for where you're at. Do you anticipate any movement on the roster with the trade deadline in 24 hours? You know what? I think uh, there's still a lot of calls that, that goes on. I think it's fluid for all the teams. Um, there would have to be something that said, hey, man, this makes total sense uh, for the team and where we're at. Um, but I would say more often it takes place earlier and through last week than it does up to the, you know, you know, right to the last second. Uh, you played Devontae Casey some at free safety. Are you moving him back at the rest of the season or are you just fixing things up? Well, we wanted to evaluate everything and oftentimes talk about the matchups. But, I, but until we get, you know, true back and into space for that, I was, I was pleased with how Sheffield played. I thought we put him in a number of spots to play some man-to-man inside against an excellent player, and he really stood up strong. But So we're just trying to put guys in the best spots that they can. I'd love to have some continuity where he can stay put and do that. But uh, I've done it a couple times with him, and I was pleased to see uh, him at safety. He really made some good tackles, too. Coach, talking about developing some of those young guys, you talked about Sheffield. Uh, how would you say the rookie? have come along and Allison hasn't gotten the opportunity. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, uh, well for sure let's start with him first. He's in a deep you know, running back room Um, so going into it at the end of the preseason we even played him some at fullback and then we added Keith Smith, you know, onto that side so we're working at him. He's developing hard Um, you guys don't get to see him obviously because he's been inactive so far on on Sundays but it's more a byproduct of the room. Uh, You know, like we didn't have Brian Hill up all the time, and uh, you know he's somebody that you know has earned more playing time as it's gone. So Edo and you know Brian, it's been a hard you know rotation to crack. Um, on the offensive side, um, you know we'll hope that we'll get Chris back at some time this year. We'll see where we're at on that. It's nothing to report yet, but he's just following along the guidelines. But he's working at it like he has a chance to. That's for sure. Uh, it was good to see McGarry bounce back like he had, and I thought you know his physicality you know certainly shows up. He's had some great challenges, Vaughn, already early on in his rookie year. And so to see him answer and respond, um, see that kind of physicality jump out, that's been a good thing. Um, and Sheffield's been another. We've seen him outside. You've seen him at nickel. You've seen him as a kick returner. So getting this kind of experience to develop, man, you can't put a price on that. You see how a guy can develop and push to go. Yep, and so Jordan's done a little bit on the special team side, and that's usually if you're a receiver or a corner and you're not, you know, part of the starting group, that's where some of your development will take place. And same thing with John. You earn some trust, you're getting some playing experience, and you're
you're going. You can imagine the jump that John's made, you know, and just uh, where he was playing football last fall um, and now where he's playing football this year. It's a big jump, and so he's progressing, you know, at a good space. Yep, so he had a, a sprained ankle in the game, and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, through the, the week we'll have a good chance for him to be back, uh, hopefully, uh, the week after our bye. You addressed um, what you said at the team at halftime What has it been like standing on the sidelines in the first and second quarters? You guys have been outscored by 90 points on the in the first half of the game. What's it been like? Yeah. You really want to know that? <laughs> yeah, it makes you want to, you know, like, mad as hell, you know, because we're not hitting the mark that you want to, that we're capable of. And so that's why um, you want to push like hell. And, uh, like, as a coach, when there's a problem, you want to solve the problem. And so each week you're trying to find the space to get ourselves being more consistent. And uh, so when you have that happen, um, yeah, you're upset about it. And you want it to change and you want it to finish because... And why I said what I said about the second half, it felt much more comfortable about how a style and attitude that you can play. It's a score, it's a stop, it's a field goal, it's a punt, you know, and that felt in a natural rhythm. And for whatever reason, um, you know, this is a good team that has a bad record, and we have not had that kind of chemistry to play all complementary football together, whether that's penalties or inconsistencies or turnover margin, all sorts of things, you know, factor into having a losing record. And the three things I just listed are usually at the front of that list, you know, not taking care of the ball and not creating takeaways, fouls, you know, those are things to go. And so when you do it right, you want to hang on to that to say, this is what it looks like. Would you uh, tell your coaches during this bye, Dan, to get out of here, clear their heads, and if that's the case, we listen to his own advice? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> I would say the first part, uh, not yet. You know, I think it's going to be a purposeful week because of what we have to look at and uh, how do we make sure each of the players on the roster, Zach, here's what they're doing well and here's specifically the thing or two that they need to work on. So that's one to 63. And so I want to make sure that part we're going to talk about, discuss, how do we go from there? And then how does that plan take place once we get back? Can't be a list of, you know, six things. It has to be really specific. And how are you going to do that? Uh, and then we can, you know, transition into what's ahead. And for us, that's going to be the division and uh, all the work that goes into that. Uh, that's a big piece of it. So there's four division ones right in a row, but uh, none more important than the one that we'll have right off the bat because you can't get rolling without just putting it right all in on one game to start it all off. All right, you guys have a good one. All right, there's Falcons coach Dan Quinn. Hey, before we wrap up here, we're going to leave you with a little bit of history to uh, give you some hopes here for the second half. I mean, you know, there's no reason to be afraid of Carolina. They got uh, bombarded by San Francisco. Uh, you got two against Tampa Bay. You got the Saints twice. San Francisco and Jacksonville. Nothing a much lighter second half of the schedule, if I, uh, you know, to me at least. But. Look at a little history. No team uh, that has started one and seven has ever made the NFL playoffs. So maybe they can make history. The uh, Panthers, the 2004 Panthers, were coming off 11-5 season. They started um, 
They followed a season opening loss to Green Bay at home with a road win at Kansas City. Then came six straight losses. Falcons are on a six-game losing streak also. Then Carolina won its next five over San Francisco, Arizona, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and St. Louis before losing in overtime to the Falcons and then beating Tampa Bay. The Panthers had a chance to be 8-8. Eight and eight. With a potential wild card spot over the Rams, but lost eighteen, uh, lost twenty-one to uh, eighteen to the Saints in the season finale to finish seven and nine. So never say never. Falcons. Uh, also, you got the nineteen seventy Bengals, coached by the legendary Paul Brown. We talked about them earlier in the season. Uh, they were um, they started one and six after uh, going on a losing streak that started in week two. Carolina, when the Bengals stormed back to go, they won their final seven and made the playoffs at eight and six back under the old 14 game schedule. Okay, and then you had the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about them in 2015 Chiefs. I talked with uh, Bob Sutton and Alan Bailey about them. Uh, they started one and five, but they won 10 straight to get a playoff spot. So, I mean, never say never. We also know that uh, under several of the calculators, the um, Falcons' playoff chances are at less than 1%. So, I mean, you know, never say never, but that's not, um, it's not zero yet. It's less than 1%. Uh, another team, the 2008 Chargers, they started 4-8, and eight, finished with four straight wins, winning their division at 8-8. Eight and eight. They remain the only team in NFL history to make the playoffs without having a winning record at any point of the season. So, what you're saying is there's a chance. I think that was from Dumber and Dumber. 2010 Seahawks 7-9 won their division and the 2014 Panthers 7. We remember that one. That was the Corn Ferry game. 7-8-1. The 2014 Panthers went 7-8-1, made the playoffs with losing records. Uh, 7-9 Seahawks in 2010. Those are only two. Carolina clinched a playoff wildcard spot despite a six-game losing streak during the regular season. What if they don't win again? And all my old NBA people are already saying they should tank like the NBA teams and get Chase Young from Ohio State. That just doesn't work with me in football. But, hey, since the league expanded the schedule to 16 games in 1978, two teams, Detroit 2008 and Cleveland 2017, have gone winless. Just 10 teams have gone 1-15, and, and only 32 teams have finished 2-14. and 14. So, they come back, ball out, run the table, 9-7. and seven. Then everybody will... Uh, you know, uh, have a different outlook, I think. But they haven't given us anything to say they're capable of that, especially getting outscored so much in the first half uh, by 94 points. But, hey, they're going to try to put it all together here on this purposeful bye week. With that, we're going to sign off. From the 157th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Hey, enjoy your patty. Enjoy your the rest of the bye week. Congrats to my friend and Falcon fan, George Gallman. We'll be opening up his uh, new cigar bar in Smyrna, the Patio ATL. Congratulations.
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.